0: This is On the Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of On the Grid, powered by theracetalk.com, right here on mypodcasthouse.com. Big show coming up. Gary Rogers from Gary Rogers Motorsport to join us in just a tick, as will Crowley. We'll have a chat to him about what has been a massive year for GRM in 2019. Also, Dale Rogers to join us will preview Queensland Raceway and also this weekend in Formula 1 at Hockenheim. All that to come, let's start the engine now. Joining us on the line to have a chat about, well, a whole lot of things. First of all, we say a very good afternoon to Richard Quell from the Race Talk. G'day, Richard. G'day, Chevek.
1: nice
2: to be here. Big week in motorsport, but we'll talk about that later. I'm very keen to talk to our first guest this week. because um, uh, There's a lot lot going on in this world at the moment.
0: Yeah, certainly is. Probably the busiest <laughs> he's ever been. Gary Rogers joins us, of course, our uh, dealer principal for Gary Rogers Motorsport. Gary, g'day to you. G'day, Tony, and
3: g'day, Richard. Good
0: to talk to you. Good to talk to you as well, mate. It, it, would I be right in saying this has probably been the busiest 12 months for your outfit?
3: Oh, look, for a long time it would be. I suppose I was thinking about that the other day, actually. I think when we ran the 24-hour race as well as running the championship with a very limited amount of staff, we were probably as busy then. But uh, actually, I think we were more efficient then, to be quite frank. <laughs> uh,
2: your, your season, we'll, we'll start with, with the supercar side of your equation, Gary, and it's been a, yep. it's been a really rough season, and, and I think everyone's seen that for you guys. really challenging given all the changes that have gone on in the sport behind the scenes, both with your team and, and in the series overall. But
3: was, was Townsville uh,
2: in the wettest, most craziest race of the year? Was that a, a ray of sunshine for, for what's otherwise
3: been a really tough season? Oh, look, we've, we've done a very ordinary job this year. Uh, I think council was like, it was a blessing for everybody because it, look, you work so hard and, and I don't mean me personally, but like the mechanical guys, the engineering guys, the tire fitters, and, and really they work as hard every time, but sometimes, and in recent times we just haven't got it right. But to get that result, which a lot of it was probably true strategy and weather, but mind you. Um, Beaver and and Robbo did a bloody good job to get the cars where they did but yes, it certainly gave us all a lift but hey, this weekend we're going to have to do even better than
0: that Yeah, you certainly are and uh, Richie Stanaway remains out of the car Michael Caruso gets another run in there are we any closer to knowing when Richie may return and on the other hand is this probably the last time you'll get to use Michael because there is a limit to the amount that you can use these guys who are co-drivers isn't there?
3: Well, I'm sure there is a limit, but, look, regardless of that, I'm sure that, look, first, all, I'd like to thank FPR for being, you know, kind enough to let us use him because I know he's committed to them and and also, you know, whether we can keep doing that for limited or well, certainly once the endurance races come, that will, will end, but Stanaway's no nearer that we are really certain of as yet. I mean, he's, it's a bad injury from what the doc, medical people tell me. I'm no doctor. Um, but they keep assuring him and, of course, he wants to drive the car and, of course, he's not going to tell me he's not up to it, although he has, in fairness to him, he has said, look, the way I am at the moment, I can't drive it, but we're just hanging on and waiting for the last moment before we have to make a decision to either, you know, get someone else to fill that spot or hopefully he'll be good enough to do it.
2: You've been through some interesting times with GRM over the years, Gary, but is this one of the more challenging scenarios you've had to work through in terms of a a driver with an injury and finding these replacements all the while trying to get your
3: team back up to a a competitive level? Look, it's been a bit of a hard task, but the fact of the matter is you've just got to deal with each situation when it arises. I mean, when Richie came to our place, we were really happy that he was coming there. We figured he was going to be certainly a big... um, positive for us, you know, certainly his young agent, I mean, with no disrespect to Garth, I mean, I was really sorry to see Garth go, but the fact is, we're in a commercial world, I have to make some decisions that that focus on the whole team not just individuals, Um, Mm -hmm. so I thought that would work well for us, but the fact of the matter is, um, he hasn't been able to drive competitively because of his injury, so, you know, we'll need to address that, Um, well certainly after this meeting, we need to know because if he isn't unable to, to be right to go, we will now need to make a definite decision on someone to fill that spot for the rest of the year.
0: You you mentioned Garth there, Gary. Was that, in in your time in motorsport, was that one of the toughest decisions you've had to make? Because I know that you're a very loyal man and I know you expect the same from your people and I, I believe Garth gave that to you. That would have been a really tough decision for you to make.
3: Tony, it was a tough decision, but as I say, I mean, look, I have to make decisions based on the wellbeing Firstly, of our sponsors and my staff. I mean, that is a whole paramount because without those people, there would be no business. Garth did a fantastic job when he came back. I mean, he started his life at our place when he came back, when he went from Wildman Chores and came back to our place. That was great. But the fact is, commercialism comes into play with supercars. You you need you know the financial resources to be able to keep doing it, and it's look, it's no different to that. And it, it was tough yes.
2: Uh, I thought a bright note this year, and, and Shebex and I talked about it before on this show, that that I thought Bieber is driving as well as he ever has, if, if not as best as he ever has. And it's, it's hard sometimes when you're in that 15 to 25 saddle pack, because all the cameras are looking at the red Mustangs at the front of the field and the 888 cars, so you don't often get to see some of these shining performances, these great fighting drives in the field, but just, just looking back at some of the
3: numbers and some of the performances, I, I reckon he's done a really solid job this year. Do you agree? I well, certainly, Townsend. You'd have to say it was a great effort. I mean, those conditions are never easy, and, and like he's still reasonably green. Well, he's not green to the business. He's been around for a while now. He came through the Dunlop Series. He did a very good job in that, and that's why we thought he would, you know, get to the front of this sooner than he probably has. Uh, but we've just got to keep working with him and make sure that we can get the very best out of him
0: yeah good young drivers are hard to come by there's no doubt about that gary a year or so ago we had a chat back in the paddocks one day and we were talking about these cars and and where they're at now in regards to their technical uh situation and i think you lamented the fact that you can't use mechanics on these cars anymore you've got to seriously be an aeronautical engineer or you know have an engineering degree to be able to work these things out has that been a downfall for you guys is it is it Make, is it hard to find the right people to get these things moving?
3: Oh, look, I don't think that's quite right. I mean, if you look at you take Wally's story, for example, I mean, he's he's not an engineer, but no one would be better along pit lane. He's a very wise old head that understands racing. I think you need to have people that, look, You, you good mechanical people are the ones that can bolt things in a much sure they're tight. The wheels don't fall off and anything else. In terms of development, then certainly engineering activity comes into play there. But I also think that you know there has to be a lot of or a good level of common sense in the engineering um, activity as well. Not just certainly don't be just too absorbed by what the computers say or the data says. You know you need to have a real smell and a feel for how the races work. And I think I've got some of the best blokes at that. But we've just not been doing the job properly in recent times. Hmm. Have you had much input
2: in these cost-saving initiatives that are the talk of the paddock at the moment from supercars? Do they come
3: and talk to you about what you'd like to see as far as trying to save some pennies? Oh, these discussions have been going on since the Co Championship days. I mean, it's no different. and discussion goes on and on and on, but very little decision is made. I mean, they do talk to me about it, they ask. But I think they talk to everyone about it to get an opinion because obviously all the teams you know, are shareholders in the business for the want of a better word. Um, but I'm a firm believer that I think we've got to stop talking and doing. What, what do they need to do, Gary? Well, I mean, what, what, are there some common sense things that you see that they can
2: implement quickly that would give you a, a definite, you know, better
3: results to your bottom line? Well, it certainly wouldn't just give me, it would give every supercar team a better financial result. I mean, every, every time something sensible comes into discussion about changing something and you take the crate engine, everyone knows I'm on about it all the time and I I am on about it all the time and they say, but also there's a redundancy factor, you know, therefore what you've got won't work, well the fact is you would save that money, you know in the first 12 months you would get that back if we just had much more durable engines Um, you know, and I know there's discussion going on about the shock absorbers at the moment, well I mean that's an old gravy train as well I mean, we see, my view we just need Certainly one control shocker that we all have, you know, very minimal adjustments. So if you haven't got people, you know, all day long running shocks up and down on a shock dyno and, you know, experimenting with all sorts of things, which, you know, look, I don't want to say you don't need technology. You do need the technology, and I, I certainly don't want to curb that, but the teams cannot afford to keep doing this.
0: Yeah, it, it's definitely uh, getting tougher for teams out there. Uh, Gary, you're, you're definitely out there. You've, you've been out there in, in regards to the way that you present yourself and the like. Is it uh, interesting having a a sponsor who's just as out there as you are, if not more, in Peter Adderton? Oh,
3: yeah, look, I've known Peter for 20-plus oh, years, and I get on very well with Peter. I'm not into electronic media activity that certain people are, and that's probably a blessing because otherwise I'd probably go out the bank and jump off a bridge. But to be quite frank, I really don't care about all that stuff. What I concentrate on is giving myself, my sponsors, my staff every best opportunity to get a result. And if some people like it, that's great. But if some people don't, well, that's great for them, but maybe not so great for other parties. But as I say, it doesn't really affect me. Uh, big expansion this year mean We touched at the
2: start on how busy you guys are. Just... Um, Talk to me about T C R and its first onto the scene, we're three rounds down. It's been compelling racing. I think the field's a great mix of talent from, you know, your James Moffat's and your Chris Pithers and your Alberto's experienced guys to young kids coming up through the ranks getting some miles. Uh, what's your take on it? And, and has it been a initially a successful step for for G
3: R M to branch back out into into two letter racing like you once were in the in the nineties? Well, yeah. I mean, when it was all bandied around a while ago, I looked at it because, look, we're in the business of racing cars and have been for nearly 60 years now. And the fact is, I looked at it as being a good way to afford to go racing uh, on a continual basis, encouraging perhaps younger drivers along as well uh, because we like doing that um, you know, as part of our, our bigger picture plan. Um, but I just figured so long as they don't poke around with the rules Sometimes I keep things the way they are. I think it's a financially viable opportunity for a lot of people to take up.
0: The racing... And, and you
3: would have to say, so far, I mean, I know it's a limited telecast and I understand all that, but when you actually see the racing, the racing's pretty good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Been, it has been amazing. There's, there's no doubting that. And uh, can you see it uh, expanding over time? Or do you think where it's at at the moment is probably about the level it needs to be at? Oh, I think.
3: Well, I think look, supercars are supercars, and it is a paramount event. But there's no disputing that. I mean, that's what we all um, aim to do, and that's what I was certainly aiming to do too. But like I said, I had to look at what we could do business-wise moving along. You know, can we afford to keep spending the amount of money on supercars that we do? No, we cannot. Um, I don't want to be deserting supercars because I absolutely love it. But the fact is, this is affordable, and, and I think it, it can grow. Whether it can grow to the extent of supercars or not, I'm not so sure about that. But I do think there is a place for it.
2: Uh, the, other, um, the other strength you've go this year, Gary, is S5000. And as an open-wheeler, purist, that's probably my most exciting thing on the horizon in Australian motor racing. You've got all the cars sitting in your workshop now and under construction um, and, and GR engine charges the, the whole process from building them to... Moving them to potential owners or drivers.
3: Um, just give us yeah. an update from a team perspective where that's at and how exciting that category is going to be. Yeah, well, it's certainly hurrying up now. And I mean, we mentioned before about staff and how you manage things. I mean, that was another reason why we did all this because, you know, I've got some really great people that I've sort of gathered around myself over a long time, and we really just needed to have some work to keep everyone around there. But having said that, we've had to employ probably three or four others now to get us to that next stage of finishing the 5,000 because um, those cars are due to perform at Sand and at the TCRN and they will be ready, but we have got some other people there. Um, we've sort of we're a little bit um, strung in time. I mean the tub, well when I got involved in it there was one tub here. I had to order the rest from, from uh, the US. That all happened and the guy there his name actually escaped me the moment has done an absolutely outstanding job. We've got we finally got all the tubs about a couple of weeks ago. Um, the engine program's coming along, like Dumsley's have done the wheels. I mean, it's just an enormous amount of work and preparation and just then trying to make sure, we, because in between this, we've been trying to run that existing car because the um, Hollingers have, have finalised all the transmission, uh, but we're just trying to run the car to see that everything is okay once we've all got them together. And at this stage, that's pretty successful. I mean, um, we're giving that, a car a run again in a couple of weeks at Queensland Raceway, but that should be the last test for it before we start because by then we should have all the all the transaxles there. We should have you know everything ready and we can just sit there now and put them together. So, look, it's a very exciting time at our place. There's a lot going on there, and actually, I said many many years ago when I didn't know anybody really by, by their first name, I'd do something different. I walk in there and I look at you and I say, Who are you? because <laughs> <laughs> there's that many who are yous appearing every day. But they, yeah. they're all good guys and we've sourced them well and they really are all working. And as I say, in between TCR rounds and supercar rounds, there is a bit of work when the trucks are travelling back and there's a few spare days. Those V8 guys and the TCR guys are into those five thousands and really mm. doing a great job of it. Mm. Gary, have,
0: you 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 from, sorry, Shabek, have you had
3: much interest from... Sorry, but Have you had much interest from potential competitors from the actual getting cars on the grid side of things? Well, we had initially when it was announced that we would be doing the program, we had people ring up all day every day about it because everyone just wanted to know how much a car was going to cost. Well, really, I couldn't say how much a car was going to cost because we hadn't built a car and there'd been all sorts of innuendo around about what the price of the car would be. Well, no one knew that because no one had in a business sense, planned or, or worked out what it actually cost to build a car. So the first thing we had to do was work that out. So we've done all that. We're finally now up with a – we've got a price on the cars. We've also got a lease uh, a lease arrangement or a lease and buy arrangement. So, I mean, you know, we're, we're right to go. we got inquiries now. We have, but, but I think the inquiries we're getting now are the genuine ones, not just the ones that want to know oh, how much does a car cost.
0: Apart from Erebus in the past, Gary, we've seen now yourself and the Cali sort of expand into other areas. Uh, Of course, they are involved with TCR as well, and now you guys with TCR and S5000. Does this seem to be the future business model for supercar teams? Do you think you need to have that extra uh, opportunity to earn an income to make this a viable business as a a racing team? Uh, Look, Tony, from
3: my point... that's why I did this because I figured that whilst I want to be in VO Supercars because I, as I said I really love that category, I could just see that if the cost of it kept going the way it did, I would need to make some other plans at a point, whether it's this year, next year, ten years from now, because we we've been around forever and we're not we don't want to do anything else. We what we do, but we just need to make sure that we have a, a plan that sponsors could afford to be involved in, and and would be able to at least get a reasonable share of the rewards uh, without having to just continually spend.
0: Yeah, and the, yeah. We, we talk about succession plans in business as well. you seem to be going as well as anything with uh, your son, Barry, and his involvement in the business. Uh, he, he's really starting to get a hold of it and, and, and taking it forward, isn't he? I oh,
3: is, boys. Look, it's been really... Fantastic for me because look, I, I'm energetic and I love what I do, but it was never a big deal. But when Barry said it, it was probably five, or six years ago that he was selling his own business and he was going to come and give me a hand, I mean, I thought he was joking to be quite honest because mm. he'd never really been a petrol head. But when he came down and got involved, I mean, it's just made my life so much easier. And like you say, I mean, all the boys at work knew him. It wasn't like he came and got his dad's money; he had plenty of his own money. But the fact is, he came and he slotted in well. He gets on well with the sponsors. And it's really just – and I'll tell you what I have learned. It's nice if you can work with your kids. Now, I know there are probably plenty of families that have blues and, hey, Barry and I have a fair share of blues too. But I think if you can do that most times, enjoy your time and come out the other end with a reasonably good relationship and a reasonably good business result, you've done something right, I think.
0: Has it allowed you to settle down and just slow down in life a little bit?
1: Yeah.
3: Look, I never really changed my life, Tony. I sort of enjoy what I do. I mean, look, I don't work probably the hours that I used to. Mm. But look, I still have my harness racing interests and a few of those things. So I like to poke around with those. And I think now that Barry's there, um, I can – well, look, the guys that were there, Errol Stubbley's been with me 40 years. as our main financial guy. And we've got some really good guys under those people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Look, I can do it, get away, and do it myself, but certainly I like to go to work as well. Nah, good to hear,
2: Gary. That's awesome.
3: Uh, last one from me, and this is completely off the cuff.
2: Cast your mind back to your driving career. Do you have, and we're running a, a series on the website soon about this, but do you have one race or one moment behind the wheel that sticks out to you in your driving career? Was it a, a Bacchus 1000 or a, a touring car round sports sedan race? Is there one driving moment from your racing career behind the wheel that sticks out as a favourite memory or something that's
3: that stuck in your mind over the years? Not really because, look, back then you just did it because you loved to do it and, and monetary matters were a lot different in those days. You you couldn't really go racing every second week or third week. I mean, no, look, there's an answer to your question, no, there's not. I just really enjoyed it every time I did it. Um, everyone says did you have a favourite car probably not uh, but as I say I just really enjoyed it while I did it and I thought, sort of got to the stage where I couldn't do it well enough so I
1: figured you know
0: that'll do it. Gary love uh, having, we love having you on the program mate thank you once again for being involved uh, your honesty and, and the way you uh, you look at things is just uh, totally different to others and it's uh, very refreshing thanks for your time, congratulations on the turnaround in Townsville and may that last for the remainder of the 2019 season.
3: Well, good to talk to you, boys, and also to all in the audience. Thank you very much. I look forward to seeing you all at the races at some stage.
0: Gary Rogers joining us here on the grid. We'll take a break. Dale Rogers to join us in just a sec. Shot. One opportunity. He sees everything you ever wanted. All right, we go from Gary Rogers to Dale Rogers, who joins us on the line, of course, from theracetalk.com as well. G'day, Dale. How are you? I'm How are you, mate? Yeah, fantastic. Thank you, buddy. Fantastic. Uh, Richard, Dale, what an interesting week this is, the build-up to Queensland Raceway as we uh, start to sort of turn into the second half of the season. And that silly season continues, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, it does. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a really interesting weekend. This uh, this, this is a, a critical round in the championship chase from all sorts of reasons, not just for uh, McLaughlin's dominant position in front of the standings, but that ridiculous fight that's going for third through about seventh place as they try and get the pecking order to be best of the rest behind the Shelby Power Mustangs. Um, but there's been some more centre-of-gravity tweaks that are coming to effect this weekend. Park for May regulations come back in for their their second trial of that after the successful test I think, uh, in Tasmania earlier this year. Um, so there's, there's some real interest in this weekend's racing, uh, plus the fact that the Saturday race, at least live at the circuit, is one of the most spectacular of the season. After the night races, of course, setting sun, Beautiful light, the photographer's uh, wet dream, and uh, it always puts on a pretty good show. So, um, yeah, lots to look forward to for, uh, for Richard this weekend.
1: Yeah, I think that's right, uh, Rich. And, of course, the other thing we've got is the we've got supercars, Super 2 and Super 3. So it's uh, a, an extraordinary weekend of, uh, of supercars, and uh, I haven't seen full entry lists yet, but, uh, you know, we, we could be in excess of 50 or 60 cars there, which is fantastic. Cool. So uh, it, it's really looking...
2: Right. This is worth talking about, boys, and I've, I've actually crunched the numbers. So there are 24 supercars, 20 um, Super 3 cars in the Kuma Super 3 series, and as far as I know, 18 in Dunlop Super 2. So that takes us over 60. 62. So, yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. Good math. Um, so when you look at that, that, I mean, that's it's remarkable, isn't it? So this is the second time that the three categories have ever been on the same program. And the first was at Phillip Island in 2017 when what is now Super 3 was known as V8 Touring cars. There were 68 cars running that weekend. Super 2 was a bit stronger that season than it was this year. And obviously, you had two more main game cars as well. But I I reckon no, no category in the world could put what is essentially the same formula of car. Now, take out of the fact that Super 3 cars aren't the car of the future. Spaceframe frame chassis cars. That's an evolution to the regulations, a sizable one, but it's an evolution. Um, The the three tiers of NACAR racing are vastly different between truck infinity, and the main series. Um, Outside of GT3, I don't know if there's any category anywhere in the world that can field three grids with an average grid number of 20 cars and a total of just over 60. It's a pretty good ad, despite all the supposed dramas and the issues that go on behind the scenes, it's a pretty bloody good ad for the the formula, isn't it? That we're at this point where it can sustain three separate classes of what is exactly or essentially the, the same set of regulations.
1: Yeah, and the good thing this year, Richard, as we've spoken about, is that the the the, the real step up has been Super three. Now whether that's the fact that it's now recognised as a true supercars category or whether or not the ladder is now correctly in place where you can get mm. some young guys in it. But it, it, it's come on leaps and bounds. You know, it, it, I think it started off life with, with a couple of great young guys in it, but mostly some old, some some gentleman drivers, dare I say, uh, in, in older cars. But now, genuinely, you're seeing the, the cars drop into that category, which is still very, very good cars, good mm. young drivers, and they're battling very hard. So quality racing has stepped up enormously in Super 3, and that's probably pushed Super 2 along a bit as well. Mm.
2: You to yeah, you I agree with you. And too, right. I've just, just to just to finish that point, I've I've done some calculations on this. I fired up the calculator when you throw when you throw TCM into the mix, and, and they're also on the program. It's a a good support program this weekend. Um, there is about fifty eight thousand horsepower oh. in V V eight powered race cars at Queensland Raceway this weekend. Now, to put that into context, that's more horsepower than the titanic hat and much <laughs> less, likely to, yeah, very, much very less much. likely
0: to stink very oh, much very much and yeah. i'll tell you what you you mentioned the painter dixon uh, touring car masters there, Crowley. 26 car field for them as well including a brand new ford mustang for cameron mason yeah a
2: yeah, really really nice thing in, and it's been prepared by marty brant down in garage one Senior you're based down in Putnam, uh, in melbourne and Beautiful thing and liveried up in the uh, the famous Brute Mustang livery uh, that Alan Moffat made famous in the early 1970s. Uh, so that that's going to be a, a super thing. And, of course, um, news this week that the Australian Racing Group, and, and this may be something we can diverge on later on, has uh, taken over the commercial management rights of that category. So they've basically taken over Touring Car Masters, which is a really interesting announcement and adds to their suite of categories alongside TCR, TCR New Zealand and S5000, which is due to start, as we heard in our chat with Gary Rogers earlier in the show, uh, in September this year. So, lots going on, but yeah, the focus on this weekend, cracking support programs, Super 3 and TCM have been superb this year, the racing's been outstanding, lots of stories in Super 2 to follow, Jack Perkins back on the grid again this weekend, and of course then there's the main game and all the craziness that goes on there.
1: I think there's going to be an interesting uh, back there because the Ben Gisberg's win in in Townsville, uh, you know, obviously it's helped his points uh, position a little bit. They're still two way behind those two Shell uh, V Power Mustangs. But as you said, Rich, the, um, uh, you know, third with Ben Gisberg and fourth Mostert, fifth Reynolds, sixth Jamie, all within really 100 points effectively of each other, 140 points of each other. Um, Mm. And they are logically the four guys that that you would think are going to take it up to the Shell uh, V Power cars anyway always fascinates me, though, when we go to home tracks. Uh, you know, we've often seen at Winton the Victorian teams get pulverised by the Queensland teams. Yes. And we have yeah. also seen in Queensland the Queensland teams get knocked on the head by the Victorian teams. However, you'd have to think, though, that the Victorian team that's punching the best is Erebus. Um, yeah. You know, it really it really looks like a, a Shelby Power 888 uh, picnic uh, with perhaps... Erebus, and you would hope Pickford, um, you know, really stepping up to the mark with their Mustangs. So potentially on a, on a, on a circuit that uh, normally throws out great racing, uh, albeit it's not the greatest way out in the world, but it does, it does provide great racing. If the Pickford cars can get in the mix here, you know, we've probably got eight to ten guys that can genuinely compete for a podium here.
0: And, crazy the good news about that is that we had a, a bit of a, a rivalry, a bit of a Dust-up of sort, I suppose, between Scotty Mack and Dave Reynolds. If Erebus are the team that are to fly the flag for everyone else, hopefully that rivalry continues.
2: Yeah, look, it's a bit of a beat-up, isn't it? Uh, hashtag podcast wars. Um, yeah, look, it's all good, isn't it? It's all good banter. It's all a bit of staring the pot. There's nothing wrong with that. There needs to be more of it in the sport, and that it's two of the more high-profile folks in the game doing it and that's that's fantastic good on them um you know it's all it's all pretty silly it was it was a silly incident I thought it turned two, in Townsville you know it's a 200k race there there was a lot of water quite literally in this case thank you to go under the bridge uh that weekend nothing, nothing for that one boys nothing okay. no no, no nothing no, um, go. you've done better so you know it, it was just just you turn one dive on and away you go and contact and it ruined both of their races and um ultimately cost Scott McLaughlin nothing at all except an extra fifty points on his already massive championship play. Um So look, if there's a spice, to play, if, if those two men in the last lap on Sunday's race in Queensland Raceway and Reynolds is behind McLaughlin. Then watch out if he has a dive down the inside. at turn three and cue the so I'm all for it. That'll be tremendous.
0: Yeah, it certainly will be. Yeah,
1: well, it's a circuit that certainly uh, lends itself to do that, and we have seen some fantastic cars up, up before uh, at the track. And uh, you know, I would also hope that uh, you know we'd like to see uh, Brad Jones get some consistency back into his cars because there's no question they're Quick. Uh, they just don't seem to be able to put it all together on a weekend, but uh, after Erebus and obviously Triple um, they have been the team that's been in form, but it just seems to go like a, a, the craziest roller coaster of all time with those guys they've to, year, doesn't
2: You've got to stop breaking them, though like, They've got to stop ending up in the fence. That's true. What a, what a
3: remarkable...
2: <laughs> I mean, it must, if you're Brad Jones, you'd be tearing your hair out because... Um, you know, and they made the power rankings on the racetalk quite a few times at the start of the season. Oh, yeah, absolutely for, for really. Yeah, and, and I thought Nick Perkett in particular is a like, really great season. He's been terrific this year. Um, but Darwin and Townsville and Northern Sweden. I mean, Bradley would be keen to go back to somewhere where it's freezing because it doesn't ride off race cars. So <laughs>
1: um,
2: just a ridiculous thing. The other thing worth worth looking at, boys, is the park for May. Regulations, um, which have been extended and tweaked slightly, so cars in lockdown now between qualifying and the race. Which I think we all agree worked pretty well in yep. in Tasmania. It didn't yeah, shake sure. things up completely, but I, I reckon it was a, a change worth having. But the, the biggest change they've made for this weekend is that now you're Maine, your park for main your tyres. Yes. So same rubber on the cars, and I'm wondering if that changes the strategy qualifying before you go motor racing and whether you go out bang time and then throw a new set of greens on at the end of qualifying do one lap and there you tyre, so you've got good rubber for the start of the race or do you throw what you've got out at it qualify at the front of the field and then know that you're going to start on tires that have had a couple of heat cycles and, and at least two or three hot laps and so it just throws a little bit more strategy from a team perspective into the game and for the driver's to look after them earlier and I wonder if it might make that first pit stop in the race, the one pit stop on Saturday, two on Sunday, just bring it back earlier as people try and get their qualifying tyres off the car and put better rubber on earlier in that that second stint of the motor race. But um, these are all things we'll learn this weekend and see if that, that regulation for this year continues to pay off like we think it might.
1: And we also- it's also been a track, that the tyres, you know, there is dig at this track. And, uh, you know, you, you may find that either strategy puts you either in a good position because you've been smart or you're at the front of the field. Your tyres kind of clip. So mm. you're right. It's probably the one thing that's been added to this. And, I, you know, good on Supercars for trying this because the Tasmanian experience was good. This really does spice it up. And it would be great if, if by. The strategic call that we do get some cars up in that top 10, like we had finishes at Townsville in the second race in the top 10 that actually are not normally there because that will spice up the racing. So, you know, you've got to pull a supercar for trying these things. I think they're going the right way with these things. It's an entertainment business and uh, uh, this is going to spice it up. So, uh, I'm on a track that, that notoriously can uh, be pretty hard on tyres. So, it's good, good thing.
0: Boys, we'll move from supercars. on before we do, tips for the weekend. Oh. Uh you go first, Dale. I've got no no idea.
1: Uh, yeah, look, I, you, there's no question. In my this, this is to me. It's a shell. It's a Shelby power round. Um, the one I keep saying. I reckon if Jamie gets it all together, he's a threat. To ben Gisburn will do well. Um, I said it to, uh, last time we quizzed this. I'll put Shelby power in the car and Penrite in the in the engine. I'm going to put uh, Shelby power in the car and I'm going to put some red Bull I don't really like Red Bull, but I'll put it somewhere.
2: <laughs> In the cup holder.
1: In yeah. the cup holder.
2: Don't <laughs> yeah, open it or it the car out. Uh, yeah, um, look, it's a tough one. I, I agree with everything Dale said, and, and it's hard to go past those two, obviously. And um, like I touched on earlier, I think that the big talking point will be where the Penrite cars end up, um, not the test track, and, and just to see where Dave and, and Anton roll out. Yeah. Um, but I, I reckon as well, based on what we saw on the Sunday in Townsville, based on the fact that they've they've just tested there and done a lot of laps of the place, so I reckon Todd Hazelwood and the MSR car will be in the mix. So I reckon he qualified in the top 10 and could be on for his best result of the season at some point. that's a pretty vague prediction and I make no apologies for that. But I, I just like what they're building there. I, I, it's strange what's going on in that team and we can delve into it later on. Uh, down the year about why he's been told to go and look for the drive and what the circumstances there are, and we'll, someone will get to the bottom of it at some point. But I uh, really like what they've done, and uh, I think they're for a good one.
1: Tony, can I just add in one thing? And, nice. I, and I, I think it's probably flown on the radar a bit. Um, this wild card system has really worked. Um, Jack Smith has been pounding around in that, in that, in that car, uh, the Brad Jones car. He's uh, done a pretty good job, you know. Yes, he was the, he was a real rookie in the field, and a couple of guys said he got it in the way a few times. But he's done a good job, got some experience, and the rookie pro, that that wildcard program has now shown he's popped up with the driver, Todd Hazelwood, in the endurance race. Mm. So, what, what you know, what another good process, good way to plug the young guys in from Super Two into the field, and then there's the reward. He's he's in the field for the Enduro. So, again, good good ladder, really really good thing.
0: Boys, just very quickly before we uh, wrap it up, a couple of F1 things that have come up in the last uh, week or so. First of all, the uh, F1 rules have sort of been revealed, Uh, details of for 2021. Are we happy with what we're seeing?
2: Uh, Yeah, look, the the interesting thing that I got as a bit of an anoraki geek that likes the technical side of it was that they reckon they've, so they they say that the car following loses up to 50% of the downforce on the front of the car, which is why they can't follow and why they can't overtake.
1: Mm. And they think
2: with this new set of regulations that they have reduced that to 5 or 10%. And that's a pretty significant mm. change to the way they go racing. Um, it's something IndyCar did successfully when they went to their current era kit at the start of the last season. And the racing in IndyCar has been absolutely fantastic. And those cars can follow each other. Mm. And as a result, the racing's really good. But for mine... It's still a stopgap to fix the bigger issues that the sport's got, which is around the inequality in the way that it's managed and that the income uh, is divvied out to the teams. And they're always going to have, at this point, uh, that massive um, disparity between the haves and the have-nots. And that affects your level of competition where, uh, and admittedly, IndyCars a spec formula, and we don't want formula to go down that road. We love the individual engineering, but you look at IndyCar where Penske might run a car for ten million a year and one of the small teams, Ed Carpenter, might run a car for four, but they still qualify within point three of each other and on a good day the Ed Carpenter car can beat the Penske's and uh, you get those great stories and that doesn't happen in F1. So that's the biggest thing they've got to fix. They've got to force these rules through. They can't bow down to the teams like Ferrari and Mercedes who might push back. They've so got to level the playing field and they've, they've got to change the way that, all this has worked out. So you can at least go into a Grand Prix going, can Force India or Racing Point or whatever they call called today, can they go and get a podium? And in the old days when I grew up watching F1 in the 80s and 90s, you had that scenario because of the unreliability. So you never knew which car would get to the end um, and you'd get that variety in different podium finishes and Olivier Panis had end up winning the Monaco Grand Prix. and Johnny Morbinelli was on the podium in Adelaide because everyone else blew up. That was terrific. They're also reliable now that that doesn't happen. So they need to drag the competition closer. That for me is key. The regs go a long way to doing that. They're just going to make sure they do them without it being corrupted by the political process in the sport. Yeah,
1: I well, like, I'm absolutely right, Richard. You know, the, 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 when it comes to home to the roost, Williams, um, you know, they have got a little bit closer to the back of the field. They still employ six hundred and fifty people. Amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, It is. It is when you think about it, it's an extraordinary business that they're running, and they are struggling to get within well, a, a second and a half in qualifying yeah. of the nearest competitor. Yeah. So it's it's you know yes I know they've had internal structure problems but but you you look at the enormity and the scope of what they're doing you right that the money has to be spread properly so that those teams uh, can can benefit. The other thing that's occurred, which I think needs to still be, even under the new rules thing, is this: is this this approved parts list that, that a team can buy? Because you know, when you look at it, in, in Day, half are marginally a constructor. It's a Dallara chassis, and it's basically running Ferrari gear. Now yeah. it's very close to not being a constructor. Now that's the rules, and you know, good on house for, for doing that. Although I've um, got to say they've they've probably hit the wall a bit this year after a great start, but. Nonetheless, if that's the way it's got to go, then teams like Williams will, will then the true constructors, and Williams make everything themselves. It mm. will change the game. So mm. there's still some, there's still a little bit of, you know, there's a lot of manipulating to do just to see what the model is, is right. Probably being able to buy from the parts bin is the good, the good way to go, but not to the extent where you can basically go to a, a third party to build your chassis and then basically fill it up with another team's parts. I actually think that Hastings has gone too
2: far. Well, actually, though, I kind of disagree with you on that because I think with their one we have to look at, does it change the show? And when you go back to when the three new teams came into the sport almost a decade ago now in Catrum, Virgin slash Mauritius and Hispania slash HIT slash whatever they ended up being called, um they did everything themselves. They were miles off the pace, like worse than Williams off the pace, and they were absolutely nowhere. And all three of them ended up falling in a heap because they were never competitive. They never got any revenue. Um, they never really showed signs of being anywhere near a point-scoring outfit, whereas half of really smart, as you said, within the rules, and they landed a competitive race team the wheels fell off a couple of times and they continue to do so because their drivers crash into each other, much to the mirth of us watching Gunter Steiner lose his you-know-what on the pit stand. But <laughs> but I, I think that's better for the show. I, I I don't think it hurts the product that is Formula 1 by adding a competitive team, a competitive midfield team straight away. But And I think they know that if they're ever going to be a race-winning team, they're going to have to take on more of that stuff internally anyway so it's a solution to get you to a point and then it's when you're at that point and you're a competitive midfield outfit you can run 8th ninth, 10th 11th and score points then you can use that as a launching pad to invest in your own development to drag it forward rather than relying on customer bits that will probably never see you being a regular podium team so i reckon if one's on the right path by making it more standardized keep the innovation keep the the individuality, but if you paint all the current cars in the field white, I would have a very, very difficult time in telling you a Ferrari from a from a Haas from a from a, a Mercedes AMG. So yeah. yeah, they all look pretty similar anyway. Um, and I think if it makes it more competitive, I'm happy to have a bunch of very similar racing cars if they have them dueling for the victory at the end of the Italian Grand Prix.
1: Yeah, I think what it does—the only thing it it, does—is you know the teams traditionally, particularly the McLarens and the Williams, have have said the most important thing in in the world to us is a a constructors championship. We have drivers; they come and go. It probably just changes that balance a bit uh, because you know if Haas ever got to the position where they were were a constructors championship, it probably does. It's it's a different it's a different psyche of what it's been over the last you know teams championship. It's a team, a team championship. championship.
0: Yeah, that's probably that's probably quite
1: right. Yeah. Hey, and the other you know thing, what, what, Tony, is is the the big news I reckon this week is actually not the 2021 regulations. I reckon the big news this week is can Daniel Ricciardo get out of his management contract with Glenn Beavis <laughs> and uh, save himself a mil? nil?
0: Yeah, it's a big it's a big thing, isn't it? A ten million dollar lawsuit, a ten million pound lawsuit against Daniel Ricciardo in regards to the uh, Renault. What it has told us like, is that apparently he was due twenty percent. So what it does tell us is a Daniel's contract, $50 million over two years.
1: Well, what it does tell us also is that if Glenn Beavis has actually negotiated this contract, he's done a great job. However, (laughs) I think there's some doubt about whether he actually has, and I think that's going to be where where Ricardo will fight this tooth and nail because, um, you know, having been in that sphere in in a past career, managers can often take a lot of credit for things they actually haven't done um, but if it's a contract, yes, he's entitled to it. If if Daniels negotiated this and cut him out of it, then it's going to be a hell of a fight. So, uh, but you know, he's the, the good thing about it. Ricardo's in the news, no matter whether he's bombing at Austria, driving like an absolute weapon at Silverstone, or uh, in court over his his manager. So at least Aussie Formula Ones are in the news.
0: Yeah, no manager that we know has ever actually done anything like that. I'm sure.
1: No, no,
2: or no. oh, no. no. Wink. We we could do a manager special on this show. I we I reckon we've got we've got a bit that we could we could drag out that could make a pretty compelling hour or stuff, a Podcast or a thought? Let's,
1: I might I tip that one out. I think. Oh, yeah. you soft,
0: <laughs> soft. Uh, also, the other news: too, great news. Australia and Melbourne holding the Grand Prix until two thousand and twenty-five. Yeah. So well done there, and uh, bad luck Sydney. You Never don't get so. it again this time around, boys. A quick right. a quick winner for Hockenheim.
1: Oh, uh, back
2: yard, Hamilton. Yep. No, 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 no. Uh, Charles Leclerc. Finally, <laughs> so he's got to get one at some point. And why not put Rub for Rub uh, AMG's facing in their home front so that would be well. The so Ferrari was pretty handy there last year, and yep. he was yeah, inch, shucked
1: it straight into the scenery. So
0: uh, yeah. yeah, good uh, call. Good call. All right, boys. Enjoy your time up at Queensland Raceway this weekend. Look forward to catching up with you when we. Uh, review it all on uh, next week on, on The Grid. Good.
1: Thanks, See you, boys.
0: See you guys. Thank you. So there you have it, another episode of On The Grid wrapped up and locked in the can. Thanks for joining us again today. Look forward to speaking to you next week when we do a full preview of what happened in the Formula 1 Grand Prix in Germany and also supercars up at Queensland Raceway. com is our proud partner. Of course, we are powered by them. And we look forward to speaking to you again, as we said, next week right here on mypodcasthouse.com.